The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? Well, it's been a minute, we had a little break after our incredible Edinburgh Festival Fringe series. Thank you once again to everybody who chatted with us, shared their um, stories and their art with us and we hope that you enjoyed all of it as well as um, those of you who checked out all the blogs on our website which obviously you can still read and of course still listen to all the episodes um, from our Edinburgh Festival Fringe Series 2023. Um, Next year will be really exciting and Louise and I have really big plans for how we're going to work it. It will be slightly different and we will keep you up to date with that. as and when. So a little surprise drop for a Monday. As you all know, our episodes usually come out on a Thursday, but this week I wanted to make sure this episode was out um, beforehand as the show that we're discussing in the episode opens at the Traverse Theatre on Thursday the 5th of October. Um, I am chatting today with Ellen Renton and Rachel Drazek, the co-directors of Disciples, um, which is a stellar Quines show in association with the Traverse Theatre in Edinburgh. It then heads down to Northern Stage in Newcastle in November. Um, This is a really important piece of theatre. We chat about the creation of it, we chat about accessibility in theatre but not just about accessibility on stage but in our buildings and what that means and also what happens if our organisations and institutions and theatre companies aren't being supported properly financially. They cannot put um, these things in place that should already be in place as we all know they already should be there but we are having to do work that should have been done many many years ago Um, and if we don't have that money that can't happen. So obviously we talk about um, the Scottish government's decision to go back on their promise to reinstate the 10% cut uh, to Creative Scotland's budget. This is a devastating um, decision by the Scottish government. Um, It is, as I've said before, it will be the people who are more marginalised that this will affect first and foremost. It will also be the people who you don't see when you go to the theatre, that will be affected um, more. It will be the cleaners, it will be the caretakers, it will be the technicians, um, all of these people that are as vital to our productions as everyone else. Um, And it will be, unfortunately, those people that are affected first before anything else. So I urge you all to sign the petition in in the show notes of today's episode and also to say to all of you that there is a demonstration taking place outside the Scottish Parliament tomorrow, Tuesday the 3rd of October at 12pm. So um, I hope that those of you who are in Edinburgh or those of you who can get yourself to Edinburgh to the Scottish Parliament can be there um, and hopefully we can do what we did before and reverse this decision. So chatting with Rachel and Ellen was an absolute delight and I know that you're all going to thoroughly enjoy this really important and 
creative conversation that we have and I am extremely excited to see Disciples. All details for the show are in the show notes of today's episode along with links to get your tickets for either Edinburgh at the Traverse Theatre or at Northern Stage in Newcastle. If you like the work that we do and you want to support us, you can become a persistent pal or a nasty hero. Now we know times are tough and as I've just said about the arts cuts, it is hugely devastating. Um, We want to be able to continue persistent and nasty and to keep putting out the content that we do, but also the advocacy work that we do behind the scenes and the supporting of our community that we do behind the scenes and in front of the scenes Uh, if that's even a phrase I'm going to say that it is now Um, we want to be able to do that and as you know we are unfunded we have put in another application to Creative Scotland and we are waiting to hear back but right now it is just Louise and I as two working creatives um, trying to do uh, everything that we really want to do and we need that support So if you can financially support us, you can do so by becoming a persistent pal or a nasty hero. The links are in the show notes of today's episode. Or you can just um, give us the price of a cup of tea or coffee at any point. Um, We are extraordinarily grateful to those of you who already financially support us. It makes such an incredible difference to us. more than you probably realise and for everyone else who supports us in other ways whether that's shouting about us on social media spreading the word of the podcast um, downloading, subscribing, reviewing the podcast um, talking about the coffee mornings um, all of those things that is also incredibly important to us and we again are hugely grateful to all of you for doing that and if you can keep doing that that would be wonderful you can follow us on social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty, TikTok Persistent and Nasty. You can always check out our website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk where you can submit blogs for the website as well. And if you have anything that you want to say, um, especially about the arts cuts, that is probably the perfect way to do it. And you can always send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. Oh, for today's episode, um, something soothing, warming. I don't know, maybe we are into October. It is spooky season, so... I've never had one but pumpkin spice latte. People seem to love it, so try it if you haven't tried it. Maybe a chai tea. Um, Oh, I actually used to love a little London fog. Um, Or you could have a really nice glass of red wine. Or, you know, you can always just have a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Rachel and Ellen, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're so welcome. It's so uh, lovely to see you. Um, so we are going to chat about your show, uh, Disciples. But before we do that, um, let's we like to have a little potted history of our guests. So we'd love to hear what inspired you to be part of the industry, how you got to this point in your careers, um, and all of that. So who wants to go first? <laughs> Yes. I love that when there's two of you you're always like eh, no you go I'll go I don't know. 
I, of course, don't mind. Um, yeah, so I originally trained as an actor. Long feels like a long time ago now. Um, and had spent a lot of my childhood dancing and got to drama school and did all of the, the usual drama school stuff. And then when I started working, realized I was kind of uh, being asked a lot to work physically and being asked to work from a kind of uh, movement point of view. And that was a really kind of natural transition to being in the room as a movement director or looking at things from a more movement perspective. So then I worked kind of as a movement director for a fair amount of time. And that was concurrent with doing a lot of community facilitation or movement education work, which I really love um, and has really informed my practice in all ways. Um, and kind of in the middle of all of that, I realized that, yeah, I am really interested in theater and bodies in, in the theater, but that also had some work to do for myself and was interested in working with people outside of theater as well. So I did an MA in dance and somatic movement practice, um, which really uh, kind of gave my work a, a real underpinning in um, embodiment and in uh, finding a bigger, a greater language when working with a wider range of people rather than just focusing my movement and dance practice for like a theatre and performance sector. So then I continued working as a movement director kind of after I'd graduated from the MA. And again, that that just kind of really naturally transitioned into taking on a kind of co-director role or working on projects that were more movement-led. So they naturally became kind of a co-director, um, which kind of led to last year when I directed a film for Birds of Paradise, um, who I kind of have a long working relationship with. And I feel like they've really supported my journey over the last few years. And then I guess kind of building on that film and, and shifting into the director role for that, which was a movement film. Um, then finding myself with Disciples and being kind of co-director on a, a larger piece that is movement led, but with lots of beautiful words as well. <laughs> which is where Ellen comes in <laughs> amazing thanks Rachel I mean I've got loads of questions that we can come back to but um Ellen let's 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 hear yours well I suppose uh I arrived at theatre through poetry poetry was kind of creatively what um I started off with and uh I was uh living in Glasgow and writing, but always kind of just writing for myself. And then became involved in a wee writing group and we had a, a performance evening and someone said to me, do you know that there's this whole kind of performance movement in Glasgow at the moment around poetry and I had no idea about any of it. So started going along to poetry nights. And at that time, especially, it was about 2015, 2016, there was a huge boom. There was something on every night, if not several things on every night. Um, so kind of became involved in that scene that I'd never considered um, performance as being part of what I did but then really kind of got into that from there um, and met a lot of uh, met a lot of great people interesting people and with um, some friends that I made through that scene we ended up kind of sort of realising that there was always a limitation there was always 10 minutes or if you were lucky, it was usually less than 10 minutes you had to perform. And we were kind of interested in 
uh, what narrative could do within poetry, or what what could what could we do with more time? Um, so we started in the works theatre company, um, which began with a couple of shows at the Fringe. It kind of began with us thinking about what we could do collectively with poetry. If you had an hour, what kind of stories could we tell in that in that format? Um, and then I suppose through that, we started to think about how we could take that a little bit further um, in 2019. Um, I wrote uh, a show with the, my first kind of solo show was still within the support framework of that theatre company, but first individual piece called Within Sight, which was um, a show about uh, ableism and the sort of obsession with the Paralympics in the UK, what the Paralympics does to how we understand disability, um, which was supported by uh, Unlimited. Uh, and so that was kind of my first experience of uh, working on a whole show from beginning to end, thinking about a narrative, not in a in less of a collaborative way. Um, and then I suppose I, since then have always really enjoyed the fact that poetry can be quite a solitary practice um, and I think I've learned for me that sometimes that's very much needed but also I really enjoy seeking out uh, positive collaborative opportunities um, and I think <laughs> I was saying to someone the other day I always think poetry is a bit like cheese like <laughs> it's really nice on its own but if you grate it it will also improve anything else. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I always enjoy seeing where it can sit with other art forms. I work a lot with a musician called Lord of the Isles, an electronic musician. Um, I work a lot with a filmmaker called Douglas Turobunga. We think about where poetry can sit within dance quite a lot together as well. Um, and so, uh, how that all led into Disciples um, was uh, that Rachel saw with Insight, I think. She did. Um, and uh, in many ways, it was quite a huge leap for me. I'd never actually been in a rehearsal room. I don't know if you knew that. I know, this is really <laughs> illuminating. <laughs> We've never actually done this together. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it, it's entirely opened up that world for me in a bit. And since the sort of beginning of Disciples, I've been able to do that much more and work in a lot of different theatre spaces and learn much more about that devising process. Um, but I think uh, it was a big jump, but it also uh, felt like all the things that I'd been doing before in different spaces kind of uh, led me to it. That sounds a bit cheesy. But yeah, I think there was... It, it made sense when we started to work on it together. I love it. I mean, I love the cheese analogy, first of all. Like, I'm, like, going to be using that quite a lot, <laughs> stealing it, uh, just so you know. <laughs> um, but there's so many things that both of you kind of mentioned and obviously the kind of collaborative work. And, um, Rachel, you'd said about co-directing before and then, Ellen, you'd said, obviously, collaboration and stuff, but... So is this for you your first co-directing role, and and in that sense, how are you both finding 
the balance, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to. It's very early in the morning. My brain hasn't started actually working. <laughs> uh, for me, it is, yeah. I suppose, especially in such a formal way, um, kind of early shows that I did, there were four of us involved and we kind of, but it was on a much smaller level. Um, and so I suppose there was always elements of that role in there, but much less than in this case. And that was more self-direction as opposed to um, other people, as opposed to a cast. Um, I think uh, it's, maybe it's not miraculous because you obviously planned it. <laughs> but I think there is something quite miraculous about how uh, easy it has been been to co-direct mm -hmm. and I think for me it's really it's we're working together in a way that I haven't worked maybe before in that it really the disciples is it really feels co-conceived and then we didn't know what the show was at all and so for me when we think about how we've made the show or all of that is tied up with the directing of it and the conversation that we've been having around this show is like two years now, something like yeah. that, um, of different stages of it. And to be in that kind of creative conversation for that long in different ways, whether that is literally having a chat or in sending material backwards and forwards to each other and being in the room with other creatives and putting a team together, like to have that uh, be something that you're working through with somebody else who's as into the project is really beautiful for me and really supportive and I feel like a, I'm really interested in the kind of model of an ensemble the making theatre as opposed to a, a real like hierarchical structure and so I'm really interested in how other people in the room uh, how responsibility can be collective I guess um, which isn't always easy, particularly working, I think, within the UK and within the structures that we have and the resources, which means that the time is quite short and often it's much more efficient for some one person just to make a decision. But I think um, we've made a really good start at exploring that kind of co-collaborative model over the last couple of years. And this show is like, I hope, I like where we're at at the minute with it. And now it's like definitely a relationship and a way of working that I think there's more to discover in and there's feels like there's this uh, having having both of our brains and our hearts and our skills working alongside each other with this I think <laughs> like mutual respect for each other's practice mm -hmm. which are completely different but feel like they speak to each other it just feels really uh, there's quite a lot of power in it I think um, and feels really supportive in a creative way not just in a personal way um, and that's why I was really hoping at the start of the project, I, I really wanted to bring somebody on that was um, interested in investigating that and not just making a big shiny show that really wanted to kind of investigate practice and investigate how we could create something. Because I think uh, movement and words is a, is a funny old thing and uh, lots of people put them together in different ways and I wasn't sure how, how I might do that. Um, and so I think when I saw with insight and I saw the way that Ellen writes it did something to my insides that made me think it might work with the way that I think about bodies and people I think I was just going to say that the show 
so much of the show is about faith and faith is the subject that we kind of began with when we began talking about the show um and I know there's always this thing when you're in a rehearsal room that sort of uh it starts to bleed into the world or your world becomes the rehearsal room where like everything that you're talking about kind of you start to notice it in your life all the time but I think uh it's been it's happened a lot with this in particular because we're talking about things in the show that are the ways we want the world to work and then starting to see that kind of seep into the way we've worked creatively and I think faith is a huge part of the whole thing um and kind of the faith that Rachel had in me initially when offering me the role or like when we first began to talk about it uh and then coming from different backgrounds uh creatively and uh I suppose it's not a it's never been a negotiation for co direction mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we know uh I know what's your stuff <laughs> that I wouldn't you know that you you're gonna know more about than me. Um and so having that mutual level of faith. Quite often I do I do write something and I'm like, please can you make this better? <laughs> can you can you can you sort this out? <laughs> it's not this, but <laughs> Um, I mean, it sounds like a really beautiful rehearsal room to be in. Um, I know many actors, myself included, this kind of environment that you that I thrive in and that you really enjoy. And I love that you're talking about practice and not just about what the end product is and all of that. Um, because I think we're very much in a moment in our industry where everything feels so unsettled that knowing that your practice is uh, important and what you experience um, as well as what the audience will experience um, so that they're both equally as valid is really a lovely thing Um, and also I really loved Rachel when you said about when you um, heard Ellen's words that it did something to your insides and I just think that's a really again a really beautiful thing to say about someone's writing but also a really wonderful way to start a collaboration of what that of what that um, kind of brought and I have a question and maybe somewhere in that you might have answered it and I've just missed it but um because obviously you both talked about filmmaking as well and how you've made films and um things and what was it about this project that you specifically that you felt was going to be a piece of theatre in that sense was it because you wanted that experience of the rehearsal process start yeah I mean um I've only made one film and I found it really scary (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know what I was doing (laughs) so I was very fortunate to work with a beautiful and very very experienced filmmaker um and the other side of that is definitely would love to make uh more uh dance films or movement films um so I guess it's a no-brainer for me I think in theater that's that's what I do but also it is a direct response to having worked um, for a long time alongside uh, disabled directors or with disabled-led companies. And um, it's, I've worked with a lot of male casts. I've worked with a lot of men within theatre and men within movement practice. And I really wanted uh, Disciples to be an opportunity to address that. Um, a little bit and to readdress the balance in some way and that's not a reaction to that not being okay 
but I just felt that there wasn't anybody or I didn't think there was anybody in Scotland um, doing the other side of it or prioritizing uh, marginalized genders um, in a movement-led way that was um, resourced, that's not um, just community practice and that is not taking anything away from a community practice. But I do think there's something about um, placing people center stage that that says a lot politically and says a lot to the sector that I think is important. And people were having those conversations, but I didn't see anybody really taking that that final step of, of a big stage and the resource production and putting the time in to making that piece of work. And I really wanted to, and I really wanted to know what that piece of work might be. Um, as I, I, I don't, I didn't know what the stories might be or what the cast might have to say, or if I brought in um, someone like Ellen, what the point of view might be or what the perspective might be that that person would bring. And I just really wanted to know. And uh, I, like I said, I think in theatre. So I, I, I really uh, was really into the idea of, of creating a, a, a piece of theatre that was beautiful. It's not something that's really important to me, but also really... Uh, that felt new and felt like it was um, saying something to an audience, to a live audience that we just hadn't maybe said in that context before. Like I said, I do think those conversations happen between people, but I don't think it's happened or is happening in like a big collective, like theatre way, where there's a lot of people listening at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. There's something particularly important in the case of this show about uh, just how many people are not typically in the same space as a disabled person and how easy um, how easy it is for people whether this is their intention or not to not fully appreciate disabled lives or um, understand disabled people as old people um, when you're not when you're not in a collective space and obviously within a theatre if you're an audience and there's people on a stage there is still some kind of barrier that separates but much less so than on the screen um and I think I don't think that's an accident you know I, th I think there's a reason why um something that really haunts me <laughs> that happened uh, in a kind of early discussions around the show with a with a performer was they said to me I work mostly in tv because that's who wants us um, and it was such a flippant throwaway comment, but uh, it it is true. It, you see so many more such greater, and obviously still a long, long way to go. But there is currently greater disabled representation in screen industries than there is in theatre by quite a long shot. Um, and I think also having an audience there during a performance opens up that discussion more widely in terms of who's coming to a theatre, what provisions are in place for them, how we can ensure those provisions match each other, because obviously there is uh, now much more chat about access for audiences. Um, but even if you look at within theatre spaces in Scotland, how many of them are accessible for the audience and then don't have an accessible stage? or don't have an accessible backstage, and that's just at wheelchair access, not including all the other things that access is. Um, and so I think it's really important to, this is, yeah, as you say, it just, it came to me as a theatre project mm -hmm. anyway, but I think the importance of it being in that form uh, has kind of 
I've become more and more aware of that as we've as we've gone on in the making of the show. Yeah, it's really um just that conversation and that thing that you've said about people being in a space with disabled people and how often that happens and and why we're not having those conversations and why um those performers aren't being platformed as they should be is um is it's a huge conversation, a needed conversation, but you're doing the work, which is why we're here, because we're going to talk about disciples. Um so who wants to take what are we gonna see, what are we gonna feel? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> So we know obviously it was started as devising, you both met conversation. Um so we know the beginnings, but a little bit more about that and then to where we're at now. Because you are you in tech now? Or is it today last day of rehearsals? Kind of both. So we have been really fortunate in that we've we're in the theatre already. So we've been kind of doing little bits and pieces alongside still making the show which has been a lot to manage those two things this last week but has meant that we as a team have been able to to live in the space a bit longer than we normally would so that's a really really brilliant thing um but yeah we are definitely at the point where um the show exists um and hopefully you're going to feel uh, lots that was kind of my sole intention if I'm making anything um and I would never presume to name that for somebody um but I'm uh, interested in work that does something to people and um I think sometimes people find that a bit scary because they're not sure what and I think sometimes it's really much easier to be told exactly what we're supposed to think or feel with a piece of work but I'm really interested in supporting people through the work to have some kind of response um so I think it will be hopefully quite playful and fun but also um meaningful as well I, I think there'll be some moving moments the performers are great and incredibly committed to the work and for me that commitment does does so much of the job so I can throw a task and if they commit to it then then really my job's done so they definitely uh, help help drive that. And it starts with a group of women or non-binary people um, deciding that they have had enough, really, um, which I'm going to be honest, in the last couple of weeks with everything that's um, been really prevalent in the news has really hit me in another way. And we've been talking a lot over the last two years. Uh, the theme and the narrative for the show is is as every as all of our identities <laughs> so we're not just making a show about disability or we're not just making a show about being marginalized genders or we're not just making a show about blah 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 like it's all of our intersectionality that is really important to us and so um perhaps i feel like in the last few months maybe the uh the disabled cast and ellen's perspective was really like foregrounding but in the last few weeks i think that all the news uh, what's happening in the news has really made like really put me in a kind of uh, <laughs> down with the patriarchy uh, lens, which isn't necessarily like that. I don't think that's what the show is, but it's really um, beautiful. I think to remember that the, hopefully the work is multi-layered and it speaks to what Ellen said about disabled people being allowed to be whole people and many disabled people in the same space, all of them being allowed to be whole people is really important to me. Um, 
so yeah we begin with this kind of um we're done and then throughout the show throughout the different pieces of movement and text we learn more about how that might feel that decision to leave um and how that might play out and what we do or don't know about what what the alternative is and how we can create that or what we need and i think fundamentally we focus on the kind of being with another or being with not you know believing in ourselves if we're alongside another which really speaks to how we've been making the show i think um and throughout that is uh, absolutely interwoven <laughs> all of the cast and their personalities which i really hope um you get to see as well uh yeah i feel like you've said most of it um i think music is very oh, central yeah, to it as well um uh, we've got a great sound designer but also a lot of musical ability <laughs> within the cast um and a community choir as well we've been working alongside um and uh i suppose there's something in it about the the imagination and like imagining yourself out of our current context and um i think quite often we know we're not happy with what we have uh, but we don't have the capacity or we're not allowed the energy to consider something from scratch do you know we've, i suppose it's the same way often the access is worked with instead of thinking how can we create something with access at the heart of it is often kind of stuck on or a tiny tweak is made so i think um we're thinking about that in terms of the whole world <laughs> you know in a much larger scale like instead of having five minutes to think about what tiny adaptation might make things slightly less horrible um we want to think about what would a world look like that was built with these people well, built by these people for these people um and that feels like something that's quite um central to the whole thing it also looks beautiful <laughs> we have a great set and costume designer um so I was yeah like making beautiful work is really important to me and I don't say that flippantly but you know having prioritizing that on a project is something that I really consider aesthetically um I think especially for this project yeah. as well it's just something that um again a lot of uh disabled people are not afforded the that opportunity um, or it's not the focus of, yeah. of work that you typically get to work on. So. Yeah, that was always really important. Yeah, yeah. Or feel it and them feeling beautiful as well. They do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> after, after the costume try on, they definitely the other day. Everyone's um, their best selves. Feeling themselves. <laughs> yeah. And, and there shouldn't, there's that thing of almost not apologizing for it being beautiful but why shouldn't it be why shouldn't that be one of the things that we ask for that we say at the very start that this this has to look beautiful because that makes everyone feel because an audience walks in and sees something beautiful they're automatically engaged yeah and for me what that means is a really interesting uh exploration on like whatever project yes I mean yeah exactly what and what is it is it sophisticated images is it really intimate like what that 
is and for for each project is something that I kind of really enjoy thinking about that kind of creatively gets me excited um, and I think even the intersectionality of that in the sense that I'm uh, visually impaired the, there's different levels of sight across the cast um, and even that in itself like the standard assumption of what something being beautiful is um, as opposed to how we've worked on it in this room and how the costume designer has spoken to people about how fabrics feel on them or you know different different relationships that we might have with clothes if we all have different bodies and um, just a, a slightly different approach to it and the incorporation of music into that of textures and of everything and um, just not considering beauty from from one lens has, has been important too. Yes, yeah, I'm very excited to see it. Um, very excited. Um, and also just like you know, Ellen, you had mentioned faith earlier about it, and then that idea of opening something and saying, kind of, you know, we're done with it. Like that is such a huge statement to make. Um, and I think we see it quite a lot in the world right now. I'm done with it, but we're not because we can't. There's ways that we can figure it out and it's just it's really just even you saying that and then about faith and what does faith mean is it faith in each other is it faith in where we are is it faith in the planet all of those things I've just got so many thoughts going on in my head <laughs> so I'm very excited to come and see the show <laughs> I mean it could also be like many projects this show like all of the things you just said made me think oh yeah but we could also be there <laughs> so, yeah. and I love I, I love that I love that um that power of theatre of how many different shows that we could make out of one thing and um you know there's no point of not mentioning the fact that the Scottish government have gone back on their promise that was announced the other day and um like how devastating and disheartening it is because what we lose is so huge yeah um yeah I think also just to say to that that uh when that happens it is always the same uh or you know it, it will be the marginalized people within the sector that feel that cut the most um because i i i think if you don't have uh, an access budget you don't have a budget to make a theater show um but uh that will be one of the things that will often go first if people, you know, yeah. things are hard. And it's hard when um, we want individual companies to take more responsibility, but if they're not given the opportunity to do that, then it is incredibly hard to balance all those things. Um, and so I think that, yeah, this that's something that's been, to have the space to do that within that, this show and to be allowed to pro prioritise that financially has been, Glorious. glorious but, but should, it should be normal yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly and so I think it's particularly scary knowing that you know that might not be a thing that can happen yeah with, with cuts like that in place well all I can say is we reversed it once before yeah <laughs> so <laughs> um Actually, I'm going to pop the link to sign the petition in the show notes of today's episode. But also what will be in the show notes of today's episode will be the dates that you can go and see Disciples. So we're starting at the Trav. Yep, we open next Thursday, 
which is the 5th of October. Yeah. Yep. And we do Thursday, Friday and two shows on Saturday. And then you head to Newcastle? Yeah, we have yeah. a few weeks mm-hmm. off. Northern Stage, which is the 7th, 8th and 9th. November. Sounds I'm, good. I'm not there yet. <laughs> 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 I <laughs> so you're having a couple of weeks break in between yeah. both yeah. places. And I think that's really great. I will say I don't live in Scotland. I've never lived in Scotland, but I make a lot of work here. I feel really invested in the Scottish theatre landscape. Um, but I lived a long time in England. I am English. Don't live there now. Um but it's, it's so little work crosses crosses the countries. And I was really, like, from the beginning, I really wanted uh, to see if we could achieve that. So it's a very small tour, but it, it is England and Scotland. It feels really great <laughs> Almost to me. the UK. Almost. <laughs> not quite, no, we won't say that. <laughs> we were not those people. Um, but, yeah, I think that's really great. So it doesn't go mm-hmm. super far south, but, it, it, you know, that, I think it's really great. Yeah. To, I'm excited to get to know the stage with it. And just to say, we as we mentioned briefly, we have a community choir involved, which we have put together in um, in Edinburgh, in Newcastle. We're going a completely different way, and we're working with a local community choir that's based in Newcastle. So I'm really, you know, when we don't have a lot of potential for like participation work around it, but there is this like tiny, tiny thread that's already like existing there, and will be ready to meet with us. And that like that's beautiful. And I would I would love the to have more capacity to do things like that but it, you know I feel like okay we've got a little mm-hmm. a little of that involved and I think the shape of that the tour as well having you know it's a short tour and it has space within it again is um it's to do with a lot of things it's to do with circumstance but it is also to do with prioritizing the needs of our cast and again reimagining what a tour is why but you know why is a tour uh, 10 places within a fortnight with everyone then being unwell for the fortnight after because <laughs> they haven't slept in all that time or mm-hmm. you know like kind of thinking and, and obviously of course now there is more chat about slow touring especially um, since the pandemic um, but I think even that in itself has, has been important kind of uh, managing our performance time uh, in terms of what everyone in the team needs gorgeous um so i'm really excited i'm going to be coming to see it next week so i'm very excited uh, to see it i will link all of a uh, where you can get your tickets for the traverse in edinburgh and northern stage in newcastle in the show notes of today's episode and i've got my final question for both of you before you uh get yourselves along to rehearsals um so when we invite guests on we love to ask them a question so i don't know if you know the question that's about to come excellent i love it when people don't know we're called persistent and nasty obviously and both taken from kind of points in time just when we were formed um nevertheless she persisted the elizabeth warren quote they both happen to be american which is kind of annoying but you know they work together and uh, the reclamation of the word uh, nasty when the previous president of uh, the united states called hillary clinton a nasty woman for giving him actual facts and then there was the twitter uh, <laughs> i'm a nasty woman storm uh so we re- we also really love the reclamation of words and those words in particular that are used against us that are um not cis straight white men 
um really uh so like nasty witch bitch bossy money all of that reclaiming it so ellen and rachel what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you I was just thinking as you were talking that everything you were saying, like, oh, that person just decided, like, sounds like she knows what she wants to say, <laughs> like, uh, and being allowed to say it. I think there's something about being in yeah, the director role that I'm learning about. And uh, actually, it's OK to say what you think and what you know, and that that's that's my job. And also, I'm allowed to do that. I don't yeah. have to make it OK. Uh, I'm allowed to say what I think <laughs> which sounds so basic um but yeah I think I can imagine um that being uh very persistent for some people and maybe nasty um to others but yeah something about the clarity of um of what I what I want to put out I love that clearness I love it fabulous I think those two words together I was just thinking when I hear them they have different like uh, feelings for me different textures like persistence to me feels like quite a quiet thing and kind of um keep going at something without necessarily much reward Mm. because you know that that will be there further whereas nasty is like a much louder word um and i think just because we're thinking about it so much at the moment that to me speaks of this thing of having more than one side and being allowed to have more than one side um, and being able to, uh, I suppose, like use those different parts of you to get the thing that you need or the thing that you want um, and being allowed to uh, to have all those different things on show um, and not being held to uh, being quiet one or the nice one or the... <laughs> nasty one or but you know like being able to um there there are words with as you say that can mean a lot of different things and that within itself feels really representative of uh the world that we're kind of living in at the moment with this show beautiful um thank you both so much for coming on and chatting with me uh, this morning I really really appreciate it especially when you're in rehearsals and once again all uh, the details for disciples are in the show notes of today's episode and until next time lovely listeners stay nasty (laughs) 